This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Joining us is, I don't even want to, I hate the comparison to other people. You know, I'm sure that there is an African, because we make chocolate, there's an African version of somebody really famous doing chocolate back in 2,000 years ago. I'm sure of it. <laughs> so we need, not Willy Wonka. How about the first? How about the first? Philip Ashley. Let me welcome him to the show. He is a chocolatier. We're going to find out what that is. Philip Ashley Chocolates is where you can find him. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And it's Philip Ashley Ricks, R-I-X. Yes. That is yes, a very yes. interesting name. Yes, very interesting. So, tell me, tell me the origins of it. So my great great grandfather basically uh, said, "Well, we're not going to keep this other man's name, and I'm changing it." So he it was rich at first, and he he took off the C H E and uh, put an X. So I guess that was his militant uh, self. Yes, yes. Come on, so, Wakanda, throw that off. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, yeah. So. All right, so where where are your peoples from? Where are they from? Um, Memphis, Tennessee, but uh, specifically the, uh, my dad's side, paternal Woodstock, which is uh, an area near Millington. So kind of a country area, a lot of land, that sort of deal. So yeah, so Memphis, Tennessee is where we're out of, though. Okay, so you got partnerships with a whole lot of people um, doing a yeah. whole lot of things. But let's, mm-hmm. let's go all the way back uh, to the first chocolate, thing that you made and then the first time you thought it could be a business so the first chocolate thing that I made was I was in Baltimore still I was actually living in Baltimore uh, tinkering around uh, just kind of learning learning my way around it Uh, start I think I made like a a Jamaican rum banana chocolate. That was something I made. That was one of the first ones. The the minute I decided that I was going to become a chocolatier it was, I, I went, let's see how difficult we can make this. Uh, <laughs> that was like the instant notion. Um, let me put, uh, and, I, and I really did. I said, well, why aren't people putting barbecue in chocolate? Why aren't people putting blue cheese in chocolate? You know, and then it just kind of grew from there. And I said, look, I want to tell stories with my chocolate. And so people, places, things, movies, you know, radio shows, all that kind of stuff, we kind of interpret into the flavor. So, wow. So all about challenge, huh? <laughs> all about challenge. Yes. And so, and because one of the things that I'll ask when we work with brands, I'll sit down and literally my first question is, tell me what your brand tastes like. And so that's just kind of gets them thinking about the DNA, their culture, the purpose of their business, why they got into it, even down like, what do you eat for dinner? What do you like to drink? Do you drink coffee? All that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's a pretty, um, you know, intuitive, uh, but also, you know, very um, just deep process in a sense. <laughs> Philip Ashley Ricks, the first time you tasted chocolate and thought that this would change your life. Well, it changed my life when I was like five years old, the first time my mom, that I can remember my mom making chocolate chip cookies for me. So that was, I think I've been hooked on chocolate chip cookies since that day. Um, and, but then also the 
chocolate. I actually had uh, truffles for the first time. I think we were, I was like nine. My brother was like four. My mom used them for bribery. You know, she's taking two little boys in the mall. All right, if y'all don't run all over the place and make me chase you, I got something for you at the end. And so we were eating, you know, truffles, not knowing what they were then, obviously. But, you know, she just found some fancy candy because that was the quickest thing uh, that she could access that was sweet and, kept for, you know, keep us from running through the racks and stuff. So that is, you know, so the breadcrumbs lead all the way back to that and, you know, I think I was, what, 28, woke up three o'clock in the morning from a dream. I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a chocolatier. How cool would that be? And that I just became obsessed. You know, we have thoughts all the time, but that became the obsession. Stick stick there for a second, um, Philip, because mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about, well, I was talking about Peaky Blinders. I don't think Dr. Mitchell watches Peaky Blinders. Right? <laughs> I love that show. Come on. So, so I'm talking about the gypsies and how – they deal in the spirit realm and they visit, you know, the dead visit and they, they, yeah. they, they not cast spells, but they got curses and, you know, for black people, I think that's very, we we're, we're open to that. You just said you had a dream and you woke up from it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember it vividly or was it just a voice? Was it something that just said, this is what you're going to do. Did you see chocolate rainbows and uh, <laughs> bacon and blue cheese? Like what, what was in the dream? Yeah, so I, I do have, and even today, I have very accurate recall of my dreams. And so that one, I was just, we, me and my brother, were. it was actually in the mall, but the, the lanes were like pools of chocolate. So we were swimming in chocolate, trying to make it out, because we were running from my mom. She was trying to make us try on school clothes. And we, <laughs> so, so it was just one of those things. And so it, it was a lot of random things like that. But then even like today, uh, or this weekend, woke up from a dream and I was like, oh, and I just started writing down chocolate recipes based on what I was dreaming. So that's just, you know, try to, you know, I wake up, interpret, you know, extract the the meaning of it and, you know, go from there. But it was one of those things that wouldn't leave me alone. Okay, so to take us back to where Karen started us off, because you told us about the Jamaican rum banana chocolate that you started in Baltimore. So the part mm-hmm. that I don't have yet is precisely how you decided it would become a business. Sure, sure. So in the beginning, I, I, the first thing I did, I said, well, do I want to go to culinary school and that sort of thing? And I explored it and and there really wasn't a chocolate program at the time. And so I, I and again, still determined, I was like, well, I'm going to figure this thing out on my own. I've been cooking since I was five, went to school for chemistry. So I was like, I can figure this out. So, uh, and, you know, just had a passion for food. And so just spent, and all I did for two straight years was read and learn about food, herbs, spices, how people taste. Here, Karen, what do you think? How does that make you feel? What does it make you think? Literally, I would just do that with people. Um, and But it didn't touch chocolate at the time. I'm literally talking about just like food, drink, ingredients, that kind of thing. And so I said, I want to be this encyclopedia of flavor. So I did that. And then I started experimenting. I would go and do, I started making chocolates and I would go to some event where they invited me to supply for the VIP or whatever. Um, And so say for instance, I would hand you 
a chocolate and you're in front of me and I'm observing, observing what you're saying and what you're thinking, but I'm really watching you go over to Karen in the distance, watching your body language. Are you being real demonstrative and said, oh my God, you got to point back at me, go try it out. Or are you handcuffing it and trying to slide it into the trash can on the way out? So, <laughs> so basically that was my, my open feedback or my um, focus group. Uh, active focus group. And then I said, well, the three main things was, do people like it? Do they like it enough to buy it? And then do they like it enough to keep buying it? And so through pop-ups and tastings over the span of about five years, and just as I evolved, ended up saying, okay, I got a promotion at the time. And it was like, well, I'm going to be covering the Southeast of the U.S. I'm either going to do this, chocolate goes away, or I can do chocolate and I can always go back and get a job. Um, and so I chose chocolate and here we are. So that was 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. Um, the, the chocolate, first of all, is beautiful. Uh, absolutely you. beautiful. I don't drink, but I'm sure people will tell us that the uncle nearest uh, partnership is probably uh, delicious for the people that like <laughs> uncle nearest uh, with the different blends that you have there. I am fascinated by how you managed to do collard greens and cornbread in a chocolate. I need to yeah. understand that. I need to understand uh, for real, for real. Like yeah. collard yeah. greens and cornbread, though, for real, cornbread. though. <laughs> Two things my, my grandmother, my mom, my aunts, they ate that all the time, even growing up, because I guess supposedly it was good for you, skin or something like that. But <laughs> I mean, it was just something we had all the time. Even growing up, we had my mom fed me and my brother buttermilk and cornbread. So it was just like recalling all the things we ate and cooked. Cause you know, my parent, my grandparents, they grew a lot of their own food. We had huge pecan trees around. And so just growing up around that and said, well, you know what, what are the things that we ate candy yams and with marshmallow on top, or, you know, we had red Kool-Aid all the time. So we made it a red. So really with my chocolate, I'm just interpreting my experiences or experiences that other people share with me it's like well how can we turn that into a flavor but yeah collard greens and cornbread you know just figuring out how to make and we use actual collard greens so we we cook the collard greens then blend it into the dark chocolate so we're not you i don't even know if a, a collard green flavoring flavoring exists um so we blend it into the chocolate wow. ganache, and then it has a layer of white chocolate ganache with actual cornbread my dad swears he's the cornbread cooking champion so I was like all right I need you to make me some cornbread you know once a week uh and so we blend that into white chocolate and so those two things are there yeah Yo. but if, if it says it's in there that that actual food item exists we just transform it into something that we can put it put in chocolate I'm I'm going to list some of the names. You got a barbecue. I don't know is barbecue what? Bluff City barbecue what? What are you just barbecue, uh, barbecue sauce? Barbecue. I live in Memphis. Barbecue championship. Play, you know, we 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 make better barbecue than anyone, you know. I know that's going to start. Uh, I was going to say South Carolina. There's a lot of people Texas going. Yes, I was going to say there's a lot of people they, going. They all come here to compete, so just remember that. But uh so um barbecue blue cheese yeah we do it we do it all all right you have one called i am a man which mm -hmm. feels very uh powerful mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. what's the what what was the 
thought behind yes. doing that one and what's in it? So actually we play, it was, it's a riff off I Am A Man, which, you know, you have the Civil Rights Museum and all that here. It was actually I Am A Woman that we did for National Woman, International Women's Month in March, a couple of years ago. Um, where, so we basically, I was like, who are 24 women out there that I admire that we could just do an inspired flavor for. So, you know, I've always been a fan of Diane Carroll, Cicely Tyson, you know, folks like that. Uh, and so even Rihanna, you know, so what I did is, well, where's Rihanna from? Barbados. Okay, let's, you know, she she likes this and she'll eat salted tangerines because she would soak them in the sea. So I do a lot of research on those people and then I would create a flavor based on that. Wow. Okay, so I have a very like biased question, but okay. it is based on something that you just said or that right. you said earlier. Because part of what you said is that you love the challenge. And mm -hmm. obviously this collard greens and barbecue definitely shows that challenge uh, emphasis that you have. But you okay. also said that it's about telling stories. So sure. will you talk with me more? I'm an English professor, so I okay. definitely love stories and understand the power of stories. Can you talk with me more about how you think about the story component of your business? Yeah, um, well, I daydream a lot. Um, but that's one. But when I'm making my flavors and coming up with the formulas, you know, it's kind of like a chess player before a match. I'm I'm thinking of the moves, three and four and six moves out, or in this case, the ingredients, moving them around this many grams this way, that many grams that way. Um, and so just really kind of working through the formula and the concept you know, so what's the subject matter? Is it a person? Is it a place? Or is it a thing? Or, you know, are we doing an international collection or whatever? Uh, is it Uncle Nears? You know, what's, you know, what are the elements of that? So I will literally spend, you know, whether it's weeks or if I really get into that tunnel, you know, I'll just spend six hours researching, you know, the subject matter. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, well, how can I make this, you know, take the uh, materials that I found and, and, and materialize it into reality, into a real flavor. So that theory of, you know, well, nearest green, you know, he was using sugar maple tree sap. Well, all right, where can I find that? Or how can we recreate that? And so that's where I go and find the, un the hard to find ingredients, be it cheese made in Sweden from moose, that is only made once a year, that kind of thing. So just get into that. So that's how. So it's just really thinking of all those things. But most of that is done through research and then just a lot of pondering, you know, and, and going back to studying the flavors, I tasted a lot to strengthen my palate. So like if I say, well, saffron and burnt orange peel, my brain is telling my palate right now what that tastes like. So I'm I'm tasting things, which is mm -hmm. why I don't, I rarely ever taste the finished product. Uh -huh. Like I'll taste it in the process, but once we've made it, like I, I, it's kind of like, as they say about your own supply, I don't do that. But. <laughs> so it's part of, so it's part of what I'm understanding that there's a story in terms of how you build the, the flavors, but mm -hmm. am I also to understand that part of what you want is for once your customer tastes it, that they will then have a story to tell too? And how yeah. does that happen? 
Yeah, it's it's much like if you go to see a movie, the move, the director, the the filmmaker is telling you a, a certain story, and then your interpret or a, a painter, even you know, Basquiat is 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 showing you something and, and narrating something, and then you go off and you take your interpretation and you go tell the next person, and that creates that kind of word of mouth situation. And so, yeah, it's it's I'm crafting the story based on you know, my viewpoint of whatever the subject or inspiration is, and then putting those flavors together and then saying here, you know, this is for beautiful. you. This is amazing. It's, it is beautiful. Dr. Karita, I'm on the website. I don't really get down like this, but I see gifts for the <laughs> holidays uh, because it just is so amazing. And I can't, I, I need to taste a lot of these. Uh, Philip, I'm gonna call, I want to call you doctor because whatever you're doing in the lab is just amazing. Philip Ashley Ricks, it is a pleasure having you on Thank today. You.